this presentation, I've, I'm going to tell you about JomKid, but I wanted to focus on the Millennium Development Goals um, because that's a big deal this year. A lot of people are talking about Millennium Development Goals, and so I thought I would put the JomKid experience within that framework of the Millennium Development Goals. So I'm I'm Connie Gates. I um, I've been work I've known John Kev for 38 years. I visited for the first time 37 years ago, and I've been working with them for 13 years. I spend about four or five months a year over in JomKed. The main thing I do is to coordinate courses and learning experiences for people from other countries. And when I'm here in the States, I do like what I'm doing right now. I represent them. I, I, do, dem I um, do displays. I network on their behalf. I speak at schools of medicine and public health. And I talk to anybody who's willing to, to listen. So I think I have the best job in the world because I spend you know, four or five months of the year with and this incredible group of people, and then I get to talk about them the rest of the time. And I get to have nice clothes. <laughs> so if we can't get this started, it's not. Hmm, yeah. The project, I mean, the, the PowerPoints are not that as important as. What, I, what I'm saying, and I don't want to waste too much time. And I want to apologize at the beginning because there is a lot that I'd like to share with you that um, we'll have times for questions um, during the session, but um, I wish we had more time because I'd like to do this a lot more interactively than, than we really have time for. And so the interaction can take place at the booth afterwards, booth 2002. <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. Okay, great. So I entitled this Communities Meet the Millennium Development Goals 1 through 7. The MDG number 8 is more about um, funding the MDGs and getting governments and other agencies working together. And we'll We'll talk more about what is the MDG for those of you. Actually, how many of you know what an MDG is? Millennium Development Goals? Great. So we don't have to spend a lot of time explaining that. Um, so basically, the Comprehensive Rural Health Project in JomKed facilitates transformation through comprehensive community-based primary health care. I, I often say that the communities health themselves because it's really the communities that do it themselves. So a sustainable, holistic community transformation. So we're all familiar with John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus' ministry was about health, healing, and wholeness. It was transformational. And I was just in the session on transformational development. And so any of you that were there, you'll hear a lot of similarities as we go along. And Jesus also said, go and do likewise. So how do we go and do likewise? And I'm, so I'm presenting the JomCat approach as, as one way of doing that. First, we need to think about what is health. Um, when we're together with a lot of health professionals, medical professionals, we tend to think about more the physical aspects of health. But I, I think in this conference, we're all pretty familiar with health is much more than just the physical health. And what does it mean to be healthy? How do we feel when we're healthy besides the absence of disease? What are some other things that, that affect our health? How do you feel when you're healthy? Hmm? Yeah, good relationships. Good work, meaningful work, but not too, not over, not burnout. <laughs> spiritual, there's a spiritual aspect of a strong faith makes you feel healthy. What else? Hmm? Energy, if you feel energized, and that can either be spiritual or physical or mental. What else makes you feel healthy? Emotional well-being. Strong connections in the community, so more than just relationships, but, but some kind of a feeling of community. Anything else? Sense of purpose and meaning. 
sense of purpose and meaning, whether that's with your work or some other avenue in your life, as a parent, um, as a spouse, other things. So this is a good, um, you know, de- when we're thinking about definitions of health. And, and so when we're thinking about what you just talked about, you know, what is it that promotes health and what harms health? And how do we help people be healthier as individuals and communities? And as several of you said, health is determined primarily by the quality of social relationships and the fairness or equity in the social distribution of material resources. So these are some definitions of health. Of course, we all know the WHO definition. The second definition is um, one that the United Methodist Church has used, which brings in more the spiritual and also being in harmony with the environment and that it's dynamic. So... If we had time, I would ask you to think about what is your definition of health, and I think you know, if we include everything that people said that we would come up with something similar to this. And as we've talked about that health is more than just the absence of disease and more than physical, and so the, we have an exercise at JomCAD we call the factors of health, which is you know, what is it that impacts health, which some of you have mentioned already, and that really non-medical interventions have more impact on health than clinical, and I'm sorry for doctors and medical students here. I'm not clinical, but doctors have also said this statement. It's not a bias from non-clinical people. Um, And especially if you want a long-lasting impact on health, you need to deal with the root causes. And so what is the community role, the role of the health professionals for a sustainable process? And that's what we'll be talking about. Um, and again, if we had more time, I would do this part more interactive with you, too, in terms of you know, what are the main health problems in developing countries, especially with women and children? So with children, it's diarrhea, malnutrition, and respiratory problems. Is that your experience? And with women, it's violence, pregnancy-related you know, maternal health, and tuberculosis might be a, a problem with, with women. So what are the causes of those problems? With children, it's bad water, feeding practices, lack of knowledge, harmful traditions. And with women, it's also harmful traditions. They don't get care. They don't get good nutrition based on the the status of, of women in a lot of countries. And in India, it's really bad, except in the junk. I mean, places that, that have been fortunate, fortunate enough to have programs that have helped women. So when we're thinking about those individuals and their health problems, we need to look at what is the community aspect of that. So when we think about, you know, we have healthy people, but we have healthy communities, and and that's what I want to focus on this afternoon, too, is health in the broad sense and then communities and not individuals. So what do communities need in order to be healthier, and what has kept them from being healthier? What are obstacles to becoming healthier? And that's what we'll be talking about now. So this is a blank slide to give me a chance to catch my breath and get a swig of water. So do you, do you all, are you all with me on this health business and the community? So we know all of that. People talk about you know, doing a community diagnosis or, or a community assessment. So we're, we're all familiar with a lot of those. So what can be done about this? What can be done by the community for health promotion, disease prevention, early detection or and diagnosis, early treatment of problems before they get to be problems, and then rehabilitation, both physical, social, and economic? You need a comprehensive approach to address all of this and to build the capacity of the communities to do things for themselves. So how do we do that? We develop trusting relationships and partnerships with village communities, with Christian values of compassion, justice, respect, and trust. We build the capacity of communities based upon local knowledge and resources through training and ongoing support. We work to empower people, families, and communities, regardless of what position they hold in in their society, through integrated efforts in health and development. And the impact of this approach is sustained 
and the impact has been dramatic, and I'll show you that in a minute, on the health status, on overcoming social problems, especially for women, children, the poor, and marginalized. Over half a million people have been directly impacted by the Jamkhet area itself. And tens of thousands of people from India and globally have come to Jamkhet to learn from the village people and staff how to do this kind of approach. And at the end, I'll invite all of you to visit Jamkhet too, so you can have this experience. So that, for those of you who who need numbers and statistics for impact proof. This is um, what has happened in Jamkhed. You see the first five years they had dramatic impact. And that was when they were, and I'll tell you a little bit about the Jamkhed story in a minute, but that was when they were just trying to figure out what to do. But the, the imp continued improvement and maintenance is because the communities have been empowered and do that themselves. The... Um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but anyway, but that's visually to show you the impact that this, the sustainable impact this um, approach has. So those are the impact by numbers, and I'll let you read this, um, that we know that impact is more than just numbers. So another blank slide, which means I get to take another breath. So any questions to this point? Do you understand? What, what I'm getting at, where we're going with this. This room is, <laughs> is a little difficult. Okay, so I'll tell you a little bit about Jamkhet itself. So this is where Jamkhet's located. It's east of Mumbai in central Maharashtra. Um, it's a, uh, was remote, when they went there 40 years ago, it was a very remote place. Now it's still kind of in the middle of nowhere and you have to really go there, you know, you don't, you don't stop there on your way to anything else. Um, so the story of Jamkhet, and some of you who've stopped by the booth have heard this already, but um, it was started by two doctors, um, a husband and wife team, Indians, who met each other at Valor Christian Medical College, and they were committed to serving the rural poor of India. They worked at a, at a mission hospital for a few years, but they soon realized that they were having very little impact on the health of of the community of people and especially of the poor and marginalized who they never saw and women and children. Um, and they were seeing the same problems over and over again. Um, so not dealing with those root causes I mentioned earlier. Um, but in the, this is in the 60s and that was kind of what people were doing back in the 60s. So they decided to try to do something else and they ended up in the, this place called Jamked and to try to figure out what they could do with the communities to try to to, do, to have a bigger impact on the, on the health of communities. And so after a few years, they, they developed this approach, um, with, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that, but it's basically with the village health worker. They were the first to use um, illiterate women as village health workers on a large scale. And um, they train the village health workers. The village health workers then share everything that she learns with everybody in the community. So everybody knows how to do safe deliveries and oral rehydration and all of that. So she's not setting up a little you know, medical empire for herself. She's a volunteer selected by the community. And, um, and one reason for sharing everything with the community is that the mothers are the, are the first doctors for the family. So the more the mothers know how to prevent and treat um, common problems, then, then the better the health of the, of the community. So now their, their uh, mission is to share what they've learned with everybody in the world, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Um, so this is their vision, which I'll let you read. I suppose I should read it so it gets recorded, but, and their mission. So the Jamkhet approach, or some people call it the Jamkhet model, but I, I think model sounds too static. Um, it's comprehensive, and I'll go through most of this um, as we go along. It's comprehensive, it's community-based really in the empowerment sense of community-based. It's primary health care as the Alma-Ata Declaration um, described. Who, who's heard of the Alma-Ata Declaration? 
I'm finding that the newer generation in public health schools don't know what Almada is, so a little sorry about that. Um, we have to do something about that. But anyway, and it's health and development, in which I mentioned earlier in terms of you know the root causes. It's values-based. It's not just technical skills of how do you make oral rehydration, how do you do a safe delivery, but it's really uh, building um, uh, caring and sharing communities and, and sharing love. It's a process. It's not a project or a program or a department. And thus, through all this, it, it's a sustainable approach. Now, the philosophy, health is a right. People are the key actors in health, not the health professionals. And we professionals have to change our attitudes and need to share our knowledge in a way that poor people can understand and make their own choices according to their needs, not build a dependency on us. Planning programs need to have flexibility. Anybody working in developing countries know that that's true no matter what kind of a program you're doing. There's a role for curative services for clinics, for doctors and nurses and hospitals, but they need to be used more appropriately, and then they're used less, actually. And health professionals need to recognize the importance of non-medical interventions, which I talked about earlier in terms of the root causes. So the basic premises of this approach is most health problems have simple solutions, either prevention or treatment if, um, for early causes, which when we looked at the uh, health of women and children, we could see that a lot of those problems are things that, that have easy solutions in terms of non-technical. They don't take a lot of technology, a lot of highly skilled people, but it does take a change of attitude in the community and in people. So building the capacity of community, there needs to be a change agent, which are the village health workers. Community participation in an authentic way, they're in control of what's going on. Um, community organ organizations are the building blocks, for, the foundation for making all of this happen, and they work with the village health workers. And then again, health is more than the absence of disease. It's based on Christian values. Technical knowledge and skills are not enough. We need to love others, willing to share, care for others in service. That attitude needs to be, that value needs to be with the staff as well as in the community being concerned about the social aspects of problems and root causes, and the justice issues that keep people from developing their full potential as children of God. The main principles, which are also the principles in the Almada Declaration, are equity, um, which means reaching out to the poorest of the poor, making sure that, that their needs are met, um, which means maybe taking services to them, but even more important is integrating them into the community and to also to have their needs met, you have to deal with the root causes of their needs so those needs don't continue, and that makes it a justice issue. The principle of integration um, has different aspects to it. First is holistic health, which we were talking about at the beginning, so that therefore it's multidisciplinary. The um, programs are integrated, so you know, in terms of maternal and child health, TB, HIV, AIDS, um, whatever, are all provided at the same time because people think of themselves as whole people, not as these different categories. And then services from prevent, promotion, prevention, curative, and rehabilitation all have to be integrated. <clears throat> they also integrate some alternative health systems that are appropriate. They use herbal medicines if, um, if they're effective. And then the other sectors, as we talked about education, agriculture, environment, and that kind of thing. And then the third principle is empowerment, building the, the capacity of the community through community participation, helping the community learn to work together, that they can solve problems together. They organize the groups around the self-interest of the people, not our interest, but the interest of the people, because that's what motivates them to, to come together. But once they're together, then you have that forum for sharing, for the village health worker to share information, but also for mobilizing people to do things like for malaria eradication to um, clean up all the stagnant water in the area. Um, and then the role of the village health worker is chosen by the community. She's a uh, volunteer. Um, her main role is to share everything she learns with everybody in the community, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and... Um, and she's also a bridge to the, to the project staff, too. So then the community learns to assess its own problems 
and resources. It needs to, you, need to think, you need to help the community realize that they have resources. It's not just external resources that they need um, to help. And then to, so they assess problems and resources. They analyze the causes of the problems. They set their own priorities. And then they develop their own um, actions or solutions that they know will work in their community. And, um, And then building their leadership, their skills, their knowledge, and their attitudes. And so this all is the empowerment process of helping communities Um, building the capacity of communities. So the process that John Kids used is first they've gone to villages that that want them. Um, either they invite them in or they have some contact in the village that says, yeah, come and, come and work with us. And then they spend a lot of time getting to know the community, especially the poor and marginalized and in India, the deletes, you know, the outcasts. People with leprosy are usually, you know, often some hut out of the village or whatever. So it takes a while to get to know the community, build that trust, to also, you know, find out where the, where the poor and marginalized for that equity um, Um, principle. And then they gather the people, a diverse group of people. What they did at the beginning was have volleyball games. So there's usually some way of bringing people together in a community um, that, uh, you know, it might be a sports thing, it might be a religious thing, it might be a cultural thing, but some way of bringing people together. They identify what they call socially minded people, and those are the people that is the core group of people that they work with in that community. And they're usually in India, you know, there's the caste system. So in this, they usually find socially minded people in different caste groups that are willing to and interested in working together. So that's the core group that helps them get to know the community better and to, um, to, to find ways to work together um, and to help them organize these groups around self-interest. And those are the groups that do participatory rural appraisal and a lot of these other things of um, data collection And whatever, and the more the community is involved in those aspects of um, identifying their problems, then they're more motivated to do something about it if they know they can do it. Instead of us going from the outside, you know, with our usual survey and questionnaire and say, oh, gee, diarrhea is a big problem here. Let's do something about it. Um, This way, when they they identify it and figure it out, then then they're motivated to do something. Um, And so we need to start with their priorities because that's also part of the building the relationship with the community. If they know that we're really there for them, not for our project and not for the job that we've been hired to do, but we're really there because we want to help them and we'll help them by helping them instead of by doing to them or for them or, you know, our agenda. And then they select the the village health worker, which I mentioned before. And then the other thing that, you know, for the project, they, they do occasionally, you know, you'll need external resources like digging tube wells So they, um, the project will learn about those external resources, especially government programs. That's important. And then they organize seminars for villagers and then, you know, follow up and support and encourage them. This is the organizational chart um, of JAMKIT. So the village is at the top. Village health workers in the center of that with the community groups around it. And then at the bottom is the health center, which is a, they have a 50-bed hospital that serves 500,000 people. Because, and they used to only have a 30-bed hospital, and now they have a new one. Um, but that's all you need if you have primary health care working well in the community. Um, and at the health center is also the training center and administration. And then there's a mobile team that tr- is um, – they train the village health worker, and then they follow up um, with village visits. And they also meet with the, with the community groups in the villages um, as invited or requested by the, by the community. Um, these next few slides are, are things that I've just talked about, but it has some nice pictures and other words. So I'll just go quickly through this, um, and it also explains a little bit more about what these different groups do. So this is um, a village health worker who spoke at the um, National Council for International Health in 1988, and this is, um, she was in a plenary setting in a big ballroom, and, and this was, was um, how she ended her, her speech. So this is a beautiful hall, and the shining chandeliers are a treat to watch. One has to travel thousands of miles to come to see their beauty. The doctors are like these chandeliers, beautiful and exquisite, but expensive and inaccessible. 
And then she pulled out two oil lamps. She said, this oil lamp is inexpensive and simple, but unlike the chandeliers, it can transfer its light to another lamp. I am like this lamp lighting the lamp of better health. Workers like me can light another and another and thus encircle the whole earth. This is health for all. Then we have the women's groups. And they do a lot of economic development. Um, now they have what they call self-help groups, which is an Indian um, way of organizing women. But, um, and then the men's groups. And so these groups are the ones that really help the village health worker. She uses them for, to spread her education and knowledge, but they're the ones then that come up with these solutions and then work together to, in their communities to um, improve the communities. They deal with social issues, with stigma, with status of women, with corruption, uh, with the government, and, um, and other things like that. Um, so I, I spoke a little bit about empowerment before, but I just want to say this again because it's so important that you need to learn from the community, listen to the community, let the community decide what to do, focus on the community's abilities, community participation, organize them around their self-interest, and the capacity building of the community. Start small so that they learn to work together, solve problems together. And the project's enabling role is to share knowledge and skills and attitudes and values. And personal development, especially with the women, is really important because women are treated, in India, especially women are really treated like um, property or worse. Um, and so they need to have some personal development to realize that they're made in the image of God and that they um, have value. And then we call this AAA uh, cycle the assessment, analysis, and action, which the community itself does, and we facilitate them to do that. And so what I mentioned already about the project or the role of the professionals is to facilitate, to train, to be a role model or a demonstration, identify external resources, support the process and support the people, support the village health workers, to demystify medicine or anything else that has some jargon in it. You know, how do, how do you explain, like they, where there is no doctor book, you know, how do you explain medical terms? in a way that, that the communities can understand and use that knowledge. And then to be medical care as backup because not everything can be done in the community. They figure about 80% of the health problems can be dealt with in the community, but you do need medical care backup. But the, you don't have to provide it. They, they did another project in another part of the, of the state, and they had uh, medical backup from either the government hospital or from a medical teaching School, So, you know, you don't have to have a hospital yourself, but there needs to be some kind of a referral mechanism. And we like the Lao Tzu quote, go to the people, live with them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know, build with what they have, but of the best leaders, when the job is done, the task accomplished, the people will all say, we have done this ourselves. So the sustainability of this approach are with the knowledge and skills, building the, the capacity I keep talking about, the attitudes and values, building a caring community, the volunteers, the communities working, the community members working together that's motivated and that's really building community with the prevention, early detection and treatment, rehabilitation in the community, a holistic health approach, appropriate technology, especially using local resources, the multi-sectoral approach, the non-medical interventions, which are often available in the communities already or government programs, the village health workers are still involved from 35 years ago. Um, you come to Jomkett and you can meet some of these incredible women that have been involved in this for decades. And most of the, the expansion in the Jomkett area and two other places where they worked were really done by the villagers themselves, kind of the witness methodology. You know, they had the conversion experience, and so they went and shared it with, with other villages. And that's the best way because then they can talk about it in the way that, the that those village people can understand. And, and they're living proof that it works. They don't have to believe us from the outside. Any questions 
Yep, this is another break. Yeah. Yeah. The two things. Incentives are not only monetary. So a lot of the benefits of the job for the health worker is really her increased status in the community, the knowledge that she has, um, her personal development, her self-esteem and all of that. But financially, they, they don't pay her because they don't want her to be dependent on the project. But they make sure that she has income. So they help her with an income-generating project if she, you know, if she's too poor, and so they help her get a loan and training and that kind of thing. But, um, but they're they're very clear on on being volunteers in the communities. I mean, she might get a sorry for delivering a baby, or you know, and there might be some informal exchanges like that in the village. But because most of what she does in the village is not provide service that there's not so much of this need of exchanging. And the better she does her job of sharing information, the less work she has to do because other people are able to, to help out. Yeah. Um, it's done by the community groups, but it's this process of getting to know communities and laying that foundation might take a year or so. But once you get that foundation made, then these, you know, that chart of statistics, people say, oh, we don't have time to do that. Well, if you look at like a five-year period, if you compare a project that goes in and, you know, starts working right, you know, like next month versus trying to do this process of laying the foundation, I bet after five years that this approach would have a much better impact, statistical impact, plus it has the long-term impact. But, um, but the, the, the process, I mean, they get to know the community and I, these socially-minded people and organized groups, and then they talk with them about, you know, is there some woman in this village that you would like to recommend as a, for training a village health worker? And there's always... I mean, not only in the villages around Jamkit, but all over the world, there's always somebody that shows up at births and deaths and weddings. And, you know, there's always somebody in the community, several people in the community that are always in that kind of helping role anyway. And so those are usually the, the type of women that are, that are selected. Did you see any, um, I guess, difficulties with a younger community member being in that role? Um, usually, and they talk with the community about, you know, criteria. And usually... They choose women that who have children that are not at home all the time. You know, I mean, children that are. They like to have women that have had children, so they have that experience because there's a lot of you know MCH work in this. But they don't want her bound, you know, tied down at home with small children. So, but it, but it depends on the community, and 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 it's up to the community to decide who they who they want. Yeah. It's hard to say that, but I, I think generally, you know, maybe five years before they get. But it depends on, you know, if you have a relationship with that with communities any already somehow. Um, but we talk about, you know, laying that foundation in the community, and that might take six months or a year or so. And then once the community health worker gets involved, and you start organizing community groups and and whatever that. Um, that things can happen, you know, after that in several years. They've been working with a pro, with a pro, with all of Andhra Pradesh, rural Andhra Pradesh, and in three years, it's amazing what what they were able to accomplish. But they already had something in place that they were building on, so it's hard. But yeah, it depends on the village too. Um, let me go on so we don't totally run out of time, um, and we can you can ask more questions at the end if we have some more time. But I wanted to get to these global goals. So some of you are too young to remember Health for All by the year 2000. Any, do you know where that came from? 
came from the Almohada Declaration. So the Almohada Declaration was 1978. It was the first time that there, that in the world, on the world stage, you know, WHO and UNICEF was part of this, um, came together. And this is what really put primary health care on, on the global agenda. And if I had time, I would tell you that Almohada would not have happened without Christian health experience. And that's documented by WHO, and it's published in the American Journal of Public Health, if you're interested in that. But that was, um, I was around in those days with the Christian Medical Commission, so I get all excited about that. But we don't have time to talk about that. But John Kidd's experience did inform the Almada Declaration. John Kidd started in 1970, and in 75, the um, WHO published a book, Health by the People, and there was a chapter in there about John Kidd. And that book was very instrumental in... Um, informing the, the Amata conference and then the declaration afterwards. But by 2000, we didn't, we didn't have health for all. So in 2000, the UN um, decided to set some Millennium Development Goals that they would reach by the year 2015, um, based on, on the status of, in 1990 of, different, of you know, what the countries have. Um, and John Kidd had met them even before 2000. And they, you know, so John Kidd's met all of these things even before they, they were established. And th this, this year there's big emphasis, as I said at the beginning, on these MDGs because we only have five years left. And, you know, many countries aren't going to meet them, especially the maternal health one. And so everybody's kind of in this crisis of, you know, what do we do? I'm also concerned about what happens after 2015. You know, I mean, if even the ones that are reached, if you don't maintain it, then, you know, what's going to happen. But I guess we'll have to wait until another five years to see what the UN's going to do next. But anyway, this is, we have these goals that people are interested in and are concerned about. So I just wanted to show you how, um, how this JomCat approach has, has met these goals. Um, so these are the seven goals. I said number eight is the one related to how it's going to be funded or supported by international agencies. But, you know, eradicate extreme poverty and hunger, achieve universal primary education, promote gender equality, empower women, reduce child mortality rate, improve maternal health, combat HIV, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases, and ensure environmental sustainability. A lot of organizations are doing one of these. And what we have shown in John Kidd over the years that you have to do them all together. And that was one reason why Alma-Ada failed was because people started um, dissecting it and just doing one piece of it. And the same with the MDGs. If you only do one of them, you're not going to get there. But we also can see that a lot of these are interrelated and are relate to the underlying causes that we talked about at the very beginning. So it's really important to, to think about a comprehensive approach, which is what John Kidd does. So in JOMCAD, all of them have been addressed by the communities themselves, especially through prevention and addressing the social determinants and other causes. Some causes impact several MDGs, and it's an integrated approach or a comprehensive approach because that community life is integrated. Um, I'll just go through these quickly because um, it's not important, you know, the specific details. And if you want to see this more, I'll have this again at the booth but just to show you that, you know, there are different things that can be done um, to address each one of these MDGs. So um, they have did a lot, I said, with government programs. The, I'm amazed at, at the programs that the government of India has, um, being such a large country with um, a small budget. Um, but then also, you know, through the empowerment approach and through the equity about, you know, the community really cares about people that are very poor and those that don't have enough to eat. The second one on universal primary education, all the children are going to primary school. Um, most, or most of them finish primary school. Um, there's a preschool program of the government and the communities work with the government to make sure that that functions properly in their villages. Um, CRHP runs a preschool for um, slum children. And, um, and then the, the gender equality talks more about, you know, girls at school. And in some schools, they have more girls than boys going to school. 
But the program stresses a lot on women's empowerment and personal development, as I was talking about earlier, and really the village health, you know, through the village health workers' um, role and her um, model of role model and sharing and encouraging other women in her community um, and the community groups. So as a result of that, the women now own land, some of them uh, and own houses or or at least have joint ownership. Some women own businesses and they hire their husbands to work in their businesses. Uh, <laughs> they, they have loans, um, either from the government or others. They have these self-help groups. Um, and the last one, men and women have equal health improvement. So then number four is about child health. And I think I've touched on this already, but really in terms of, you know, the mother is the first doctor of the, of the family, and if she understands a lot of um, prevention and early detection and treatment, that a lot can be done. And that last one about home remedies, such as steam inhalation, cold sponge, and oral rehydration, it's very important. The monitor, monthly monitoring of weight and immunizations, of course, are very important. Um, and other ways of improving nutrition through kitchen gardens, better agriculture. And a few more statistics to uh, show the impact. Then the fifth goal is improve maternal health. So all community members understand the importance of ANC in British terms is antenatal care, but um, it means prenatal care um, and safe deliveries. Village health workers identify pregnancies early. The, the value of having a woman in the village from the village, she knows everybody, and so she can really pick up any problem early, early on. Um, and pregnancies are one of those that, you know, so she can identify them in the first trimester. She can manage, she does the um, prenatal care in the, in the woman's home. Um, she knows high-risk um, problems during pregnancies, and those are identified um, during pregnancy, and then also refer them for um, deliveries. 85% of their deliveries are conducted at home. And then they have a community emergency transport system, and this is one reason for having the community participation is because they figure out how they can provide emergency transportation if necessary. So less than 5 to 10% C-sections result. They've had one maternal death in the last five years. Um, and women's health as a whole is emphasized, not just the maternal health part, including family planning. The number six is combat HIV, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases. Um, they, health education is done by the community health worker um, in these community groups, but they also have a, uh, what they call here a troop, a group that goes village to village, made up of village health workers and villagers that do skits and songs and dances, um, partly entertainment, but also including health messages. Um, They've done a lot in terms of removing stigma, uh, first with leprosy and TB, and now HIV-AIDS for them is just another chronic uh, communicable disease. And the, all those people are integrated into the community life. So with, as example for TB leprosy, as I said, they dealt with stigma. Um, I have statistics on the prevalence of TB compared to, to India. If you want more information, you can get it at the booth. And village health workers practice DOTS, the direct observed treatment short course, um, before anybody even came up with the, the procedure called DOTS. I mean, they were doing that before it became popular. Um, malaria is controlled with proper sanitation and drainage in villages so they don't have all this bed net um, business. Um, they continue health surveillance and malaria is limited. Many villages haven't had malaria in years. Um, people with HIV AIDS are treated and cared for at home with empathy. Um, they're included in village life. Um, and then they also do have a rehabilitation center for destitute people that need, um, need a place. And, and from staying there and they learn about, they have, CRHP has a farm too, and that, so these people learn about farming and then they manage the farm. Um, but that having meaning in your life and the love and things that we were saying at the very beginning is very important in this rehabilitation center. And number seven, to ensure environmental sustainability. Um, they've had environmental initiatives, including uh, planting trees. This is a very drought-prone area, so the conservation of water, watershed development, 
And then safe drinking water, they have the tube wells and they also have various um, appropriate technology for purification of water. And then the sanitation. Soak pits are drainage, um, used for, for drainage. So according to the clock, we have four more minutes and the rest of my slides are just kind of a summary of all of this. But are, are there any burning other questions that you, <laughs> you need to come by? <laughs> we need to talk more. Right. How are you collecting data in a way to actually be able to report on accountability? Well, the the um, emphasis is on building the capacity of communities. First of all, they do a lot of their own data collection either through PRA or house-to-house -house survey. They keep a blackboard in the middle of the village that has all the statistics on it, and they use that for their own planning and monitoring and evaluation and that kind of thing. So it's it's kind of a low-key approach. I mean, it's not a what we might consider to be, you know, highly statistically significant and whatever, but it's what the community can do and what they need in order to improve their lives. Um, occasionally, we'll do, they'll do surveys and have, you know, some special research project or something like that. The village health worker keeps her, her own record, and every week when she comes in for training, she um, transfers that information to the to the mobile health team, and then when they are out you know, on their visits to the villages, then they kind of check on it. But there's no real checking on, you know, is everything 100%. But I asked a village health worker one time, I said, why do you keep good records? I said, it's hard to get staff to keep good records, and, you know, they find it a pain in the neck. At the end of the day, they don't want to do paperwork. And she said, it's the health of my community. And that's her motivation for what she's doing anyway. And so if it's important to keep those records, you know, that's her motivation for doing that. Yeah. Well, the men are in the farmers' clubs. Um, they were involved in it at the very beginning, and they're still involved in. I mean, they do some of the data collection, but they do the agriculture, the um, the environmental stuff, the um, you know, data collection. They've helped in changing um, attitudes, um, social attitudes, and corruption of government, and and things like that. So, yeah, they're very much there. And they were there even more so at the beginning because it was a male-dominated society. But, yeah, they're there. Yeah. You talked about the spiritual component There, especially in the early years when this was a very sensitive place to be working, their witness is more through their action and sharing God's love through what they've done with the people with leprosy and, and, you know, these other people that have been outcasts, the deletes and, and whatever. And through their uh, relationship, building relationships with community members over time, then um, they're able to, to talk about the, the gospel with, with the people and some, you know, have what? have um, Bibles. Every morning at the, at the health center, we start with prayer. We use the upper room devotional guide every morning. We have a Sunday morning service. That one of the doctors is an ordained pastor in the um, Church of North in India. So it's um, incorporated in, in those kinds of ways. We, they celebrate Christmas and Easter and, you know, um, have there's obvious Christian symbols around. But it's not... So that's the approach that they that they have taken, and it's a very loving, you know. And what I'll show you at the end um, is that I have not felt the kingdom of God any better than when I'm at John Kid. Other quick, yeah. You mentioned caste relations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Well, it's broken down the caste system, and now they're at this point where they do intercaste marriages. But they, but they figured it out themselves. I mean, the village health workers came from different castes, and so when they met together and they learned that, you know, if I touch you, nothing's going to happen. And yeah, yeah, very much so. But I can talk to you more about that. I, yeah, one more, and then I'll finish. Yeah.
Yeah, they're accountable to their community. But the, the relationship with the mobile health team having, you know, at least once a week, they come, I mean, they come into the health center once a week. The village health, the mobile team goes out, you know, periodically and whatever. So through the, that process, they've, you know, developed this um, kind of, you know, we don't call it supervision, we call it support. Um, the training, it depend, they've done variations of it. And so I, it's, you know, kind of hard to, to say. Let me just go through just these final summary things. So one of the things is that, you know, can you do this kind of work? Well, not everybody can do it, but anybody can do it if they have these attitudes, willing to learn from the community, willing to let the community do what it can and sometimes get out of its way, and to have your strong Christian faith and values because you, you need that in order to keep at it. This is a long-term commitment. It's not, let's go for a year. And if you want to learn about it, we have a JomCat Institute, and you can find out more about this at the booth, um, where you can come over and take courses or do electives or internships or, or whatever, or you can do research. Um, and the purpose of the Institute is share these experiences and train leaders to, in order to expand this movement. Um, the methodology is participatory, and the staff and the villagers are the faculty. And the curriculum is adapted to the audience. So if you want to come with a group from your organization and you have, you know, 10 people want to spend a week, then they'll develop the curriculum accordingly. Um, so the training is knowledge and skills, attitudes and values, personal development, health and social issues. And I know we need to get out of here. Um, <laughs> so, but I wanted to end with, we know... And this was read at the session I was just at. We know Jesus is reading from Isaiah, and this, this um, scripture is very important to John Kidd. And so I would say the kingdom of heaven is like community -based, comprehensive community-based primary health care, and that is health for all. And to learn more, please come to my booth, and the, and the folks in India have a website. And there are other ways of getting connected in the U.S. if you're really interested in community-based primary health care. They're different. Um, things on, on campus, Christian Connections for International Health has a community health working group. The Community Health Global Network, which the card is there. And then APHA and Global Health Council have um, subgroups within them. So thank you very much.